0: that the holy spirit will have its way today be glorified in this service and as always god will give you all the glory for all the good that'll come out of it should you desire to flow or function in any of the gifts or operations of the spirit today have your way this is your service be glorified in it in jesus name and everyone that agrees with that prayer shout it. Amen. amen if you would just love on two or three people today Tell them, happy Resurrection Sunday, and then you can be seated. Come on, at least two or three people today. Love on them real good. Then once you are finished, you can be seated. Praise God. Does anyone love Jesus this morning? Has God been good to anyone in this building? Come on, has He really been good to anyone in this building? Has God blessed anyone in this building? Has God healed anyone in this building? Come on, has God answered anyone's prayer in this building? Has God given victory to anyone in this building today? Well, come on, one more time. Let's just give a great big victory shout for the greatest God of all times. I want to present to you today a non-traditional resurrection Sunday morning message entitled, Jesus Christ, the Great I Am. And I want to prove to you today that He was, He is, and He is to come. Jesus Christ was always here, and He always will be here. And so if you would, go with me to Exodus chapter 3. I have two points to make in my introduction. The first one is that I Am is the personal name of God in the Old Testament. And you all might recall the story of Moses who had been prepared for 40 years to be the deliverer of the children of Israel from Egyptian bondage. And when it was time to send Moses back to deliver God's children, Moses asked God the question, who should I tell him sent me? Let's pick the story up in Exodus chapter 3. Let's look at verse 13. I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the god of your fathers has sent me and they say to me what is his name because names were important they knew that names identified character and who you are says what shall i say to them and god said to moses i am who i am and he said thus shall you say to the children of israel i am has sent you on several occasions you'll find it recorded that Jesus used the I am formula in attesting to his deity. I mean, you know, Jesus was 100% man, but he was also 100% God. He did not walk the earth as God. He walked the earth anointed uh, as a man anointed by God, but yet in still he was still God. And this was the challenge that everyone had in dealing with him because when he addressed himself as God, it created all kind of problems because they could not foresee a man declaring himself to be God. And so point number two in my introduction, the greatest you're going to learn today of all the names of our Lord Jesus Christ is I am. So you're going to see him describing himself as the great I am. Go with me to Philippians chapter 2, and let's just look at a few supporting scriptures uh, that really confirm what I'm sharing with you today. That the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Philippi, these are the words that he shared with him, beginning at verse 9. Philippians chapter 2, verse 9. He said, How God highly exalted him. How many know Jesus is highly exalted right now? And guess what, folks? We are exactly where he's at. We're seated. With God, with Jesus right now at the right hand of God the Father. How many know when He rose, we rose right with Him? Uh, Paul said here, How God highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name which is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those things, uh, those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. The name that is above every other name is the name Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. Somebody say that with me. Say, Jesus Jesus Christ Christ is Lord. Lord. Now this time say it like you mean it. Say, Jesus Jesus Christ Christ is Lord. Now say it this way, Jesus Jesus Christ Christ is my Lord. Lord. Do you all believe that today? Well, just go ahead and lift your hands and worship your personal Lord and Savior. Go ahead and give him a little glory that is due unto his name. What was Paul telling the church here at Philippi? Jesus is Lord, the name that is above all other names, is the equivalent to the name Jehovah or Yahweh, which God was known as in the Old Testament. That is the exact equivalent of the words, I am. So the name that is above all earthly and heavenly names is Yahweh, or the great I am, that I am. And so go with me to Acts chapter 4. You'll notice over into the book of Acts, Paul telling these individuals here that there's no other name given among men where individuals can be saved. Acts chapter 4, let's look at verse 12. He is the one and only God, the one and only Son of God, and His name is Jesus, and He is Lord. Acts chapter 4 verse 12 says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which, by which we must be saved. And what is His name again? Listen, folks, Harry Krishna, if you go to his grave, thank God for the work that he attempted to do. But if you go to his grave today, how many know the bones are still there? And every other religion that people believe in, but if you go to the grave where Jesus Christ laid, how many know you won't find any bones? You won't find a body because he's not dead, he's alive. And it's because he lives that we can live today and celebrate his resurrection. Now, You're going to find that a lot of Jesus' time on earth was not defending his humanity because everyone could see that he was a man. Most of his time was spent defending his deity. And this is where he would get himself in trouble with the Pharisees and the scribes because as long as he operated as humanity, he was accepted. It wasn't until he began to declare upon himself that he was deity that they wanted to kill him. Let's pick the story up. Let's look at John's account. Let's look at John chapter 8, or actually go to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, and let's look at this account. You'll notice in John chapter 8, verse 13, again, Jesus is defending his own witness that he is deity. How many of y'all believe that Jesus is God? Raise your hand if you believe that Jesus is God. Praise God. Watch this now. In verse 13, the Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself and your witness is not true. Do you all see here that they just called Jesus a liar? It's basically what they said. You are witnessing about yourself, and your witness is not true. In other words, you're a liar. So watch the conversation and the tone begin to pick up. Drop down to verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, I am going away, and you will seek me and you will die in your sins. Those are pretty strong words. Where I go, you cannot come, verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Because he says, where I go, you cannot come. And he said to them, you are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you, You will die in your sins. If you do not believe, listen very carefully, that I am he, you will die in your sins. Then they said to him, who are you? Now, I mean, that's common language with people, right? Someone trying to describe themselves as something that others can't see them as, we all grew up, how many you know, when people, when you were a kid growing up, someone's trying to tell you who they are, one of the first things come out of our mouth, man, who are you? Who? Or maybe I'm the only one who grew up like that. <laughs> Anyone else in here, when it got a little heated right there, one of the first things that come out of a person's mouth is, who are you? Right? And how many know the tone getting ready to change a little bit? Because the other person getting ready to tell you who they are. Right? And then it's getting ready to possibly mix up a little bit. Well, this is exactly what's getting ready to happen here. They said, Jesus said that to them. If you understand what he said, he literally told them, Unless you believe I am, you're going to die in your sins. They said, Who are you? Okay, you all see what's happening here? What did Jesus really say? Let's keep reading here. Well, what he really said was, before we read some more, he was saying, You cannot be saved. Listen very carefully. You cannot be saved unless you believe that Jesus Christ is God. How I many know that's the issue that separates everything else on the planet? That's the deal right there, folks. You cannot be saved, and this is what ruffled their feathers. Who are you? He literally told them, You're going to die in your sins. Unless you believe that I am God. Wow. Drop down to verse 48. Then the Jews answered him and said, Do do we not say rightly? This is how you can tell the conversation is, is, is escalating. Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Wow. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon. But I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. Then the Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead, and the prophets, and you say, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham, who is dead? And the prophets are dead. Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor my father, my honor is nothing. If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father who honors me, and whom you say that he is your God. Yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him... I shall be a liar like you. I mean, it's getting personal now. Now, you notice they called him a liar on the front end, right? Jesus said, I'd be a liar just like you. Let's see where this conversation goes. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, Little fella, you are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? Well, in other words, boy, you are not even 50 years old yet. What are you talking about, you seeing Abraham? Now, how many of you know now what they're doing? Jesus said, okay, I've tried to say this to you multiple different ways. Now, since you want it, I'm just getting ready to give it to you plain. Look at what he goes on to say. They said, boy, you're not even 50 years old yet. Have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. So, in other words, you want it? Here's the truth. He's saying, I was before Abraham, during Abraham, and I'll be after Abraham. How many know he is the Alpha and the Omega? He's the beginning and the ending. But I want you to also understand he is God. See what he said there? He said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, let me show you what the issue is here. A lot of people fight today over who killed Jesus. God orchestrated this whole plan, folks. Because he loved you and he loved me. I don't know about you, but, man, if, if there was nothing else to celebrate, the fact that he was willing to die for me and not just stay dead but raised from that grave so that I could live in newness of life, I'll be forever grateful for that for the rest of my life. But notice what this did to the Jews. Then they took up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, growing through the midst of them, and so passed by. I mean, right there, I probably would have just left him alone. If I picked up stones to try to kill him, he ducks and then walks right past me and we can't touch him. I mean, no, he probably is who he said he is. Right? One thing about the devil, though, folks, is what makes him the devil. Stupid. He does not know when to quit. Go with me to John chapter 18. Let me show it to you another way. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. You'll notice here when the soldiers came to pick him up along with Thomas who had betrayed him. Let's pick the story up in verse 4. I want you to see not only what he describes himself as, but what happens as a result of who he says he is. John chapter 18, let's pick it up at verse 4. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, watch this, I am he. How I many of no powerful words right there? And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. So there's so much power in those words that everyone that's in the garden falls out under the power of God and no one touched them. only thing he said was, I am he, and everyone fell out under the power of God. Now, do you think that you would probably still arrest this guy if he just said that and I fell out under the power and no one touched me, I mean, the devil has no sense, does he? He's going to continue with his plan. Mark's account sheds some different light. There's so much power in the words I am that it literally has resurrection ability in it. If you'll turn to Mark chapter 14, I just want to show you something here very quickly. You all might recall when Jesus was raised from the grave, when they went back to the tomb, They saw the linen napkin that he had been wrapped up in laid where his head, it had been folded neatly and laid where his head was to be laid. And what Jewish tradition and custom teaches is that when a person dies, they uh, enwrap and and wrap the body up in white linen, and that is how they leave them inside of the cave. And then they roll the stone, seal the cave, and that's where the person stays. And the stone is so big that it takes many soldiers to not only uh, put the stone over the hole, but also to seal the hole. It would also take many soldiers to remove that stone. And I know no one moved the stone but an angel of God. And Jesus walked clearly out of there. But I want to show you something in Mark chapter 14, verse 51. This is Mark's account picking up right where we left off in John. Now a certain young man followed him, having a linen cloth, thrown around his naked body. If you go back to uh, this particular area, you'll find in the Garden of Gethsemane was also near a grave site. And what many scholars believe is when he said the words, I am he, that dead people began to resurrect out of their graves and began to walk around in the garden. Now, once again, if I witness something like that, I'm getting ready to leave this guy alone. Right? Look at what the rest of this story goes on to say. And the young man, and the young man laid hold of him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them how? Naked. I mean, no, most people aren't running around outside with a cloth on naked. Right? So many scholars believe that this young man, when he heard the words, I am he, along with others, rose from the grave. How many you know Jesus has resurrection power in him? Let me try this side of the room. I said, how many of y'all know Jesus has resurrection power in him? There's no question about it. And what I want to prove to you today, I want to talk to you today very quickly. I've got about 15 minutes on my clock. I want to talk to you today about seven reasons why I am is the only one who can meet your greatest needs. Okay? I want to talk to you about seven reasons today why I am is the only one who can meet, excuse me, your greatest needs. You're going to find there are seven occasions that we're going to look at where Jesus used the formula, the same formula, coupled with a noun, the I am formula, his deity, coupled with a noun to describe himself as the only one who can meet man's greatest need. And before I even get to these today, has God met any needs in your life? Has he met multiple needs in your life? Did he did it before? Did he do it before? Do you have any needs today? Do you believe he'll meet those same needs? Well, if you have any level of faith, can you give him a down payment that the needs are already met by giving him some thanksgiving and glory in this place? And I'm not talking about a pity, Pat, either. I'm talking about a a, a, I know that what I'm going through right now is getting ready to work out for my good because God loves me and I'm called according to his purpose this too shall pass. I'm coming out victorious on the other side. The bills are already paid. The needs are already met. My body is already healed. I'm already married. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about give God a down payment that if he did it before, he can do it again. Glory to God. I don't know why we sit around worrying and losing sleep and getting all uptight. Come on, folks. We're talking about the God of the universe, the great I Am. If he can raise Jesus Christ from the grave, you don't think he can take care of your little bitty problems that you're dealing with. Matter of fact, Romans said in chapter 8 that He freely, if he, did, if he freely gave us his son Jesus, then how shall he not with him freely give us all things? Let's get right to the first one. Jesus said about himself, I am the bread of life. Go with me to John chapter 6. And let me tell you a little bit of the backdrop before we read where I want to read. He said, I am the bread of life. Earlier in John chapter 6, he had just finished feeding 5,000 people. And now he's tired and he withdraws himself from the people. The disciples get in a boat. They go over to the other side. But just like people, how many of you feed them one day? How many know they want some food the next day? Right? And Jesus picked up very quickly because they wouldn't sought Jesus out. Jesus said, you all are seeking for me because of the miracles that I did. You're seeking for me because of the bread. And then he goes on to describe because he would always talk in parables. So how many know feeding their natural natural body earlier uh, was really an indication that if they get something greater than that, they'd never be hungry again? So he goes on to tell them, you're looking for the wrong kind of bread. He said, I am the bread of life. And what was he saying here? John chapter 6, verse 35, he said to that same crowd, that same group of people who were seeking him out later on for more food, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. Do you all believe that today? You understand what he's saying? that if you'll feed yourself daily on the bread of my word, I'll make sure that your natural body is fed for the rest of your life. Come on, do you believe God can take care of all, all of your needs for the rest of your life? All he's saying is seek the right bread. Right? See, we're, we're, don't, don't, don't seek stuff. Seek God. What he's saying is when you seek the right bread, I'll make sure you eat for the rest of your life. Then he goes on. I like it. He didn't stop there. He said, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. See, never is a big word. Never is a big word. Look at what he goes on to say. And and he who believes in me shall never thirst. God is promising that he'll make sure that all of your basic needs are sustained in life if you'll satisfy your greatest need. You know what your greatest need is? Spiritual hunger. That's your greatest need you'll ever have in life. If you'll learn how to wake up every morning and say, God, I need you. I will not start this day without you. Get in your word, spend some time in prayer. How I many you know everything that you need for that day is going to unfold right before your eyes? If you'll feed your greatest need, He'll feed every other need you'll ever have. Oh, that's good news for somebody in here. I said, that's good news for somebody in here today. Don't run after stuff, run after Him and he'll make the stuff run after you. He said, I am the bread of life. Folks, he is the only one that can satisfy the greatest spiritual hunger in your life. You're not going to find that in boyfriends. You're not going to find that in girlfriends. You're not going to find that in the club. You're not going to find that hanging out. All of those people are really trying to fill a void that only God can fill. I'm preaching better than you all saying amen in and they'll find that once you let God fill that void, you won't even be concerned about all the rest of that stuff. Number two, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Go with me to John chapter 8. John chapter 8, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Notice what he said in John chapter 8, verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Watch what he said. He who follows me shall not Walk in darkness. You know what darkness represents? Not knowing, not having answers, not knowing what to do at the appropriate time when life challenges come up. Jesus said, I'm going to give you the light of my word, revelation, knowledge. I'm going to speak to your spirit. As long as you follow me, you'll never be in darkness. Isn't that a blessing to know that when life throws things at you, God said, if you follow me, Jesus said, if you follow me, I'll give you light in a dark situation. You'll always know what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and you'll always come out victorious on the other side. And I'm telling you, that's a blessing and that's a comfort to know that when When life throws its greatest challenge at me, all I've got to do is go to the light, follow the light, and let me know the light's going to lead me right out of darkness. And what I love about it, he just didn't leave it there. He said, you'll never walk in darkness, he said, but have the light of life. Life there is a Greek word, zoe. That is the life that he sent his son to die and to raise from the grave for you to live. That is the God kind of life. Folks, you are supposed to be blessed. You're supposed to be healed. Your marriage is supposed to work. Your kids are supposed to be successful. Your body should be healed. You should live a long life, minimum of 120 years. Come on, that's the God kind of life. Stress-free, full of peace, full of joy, full of happiness, a life where you can wake up every single day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. You can live a life where you have no more sad days if you'll just follow the light. Glory to God. Hallelujah. It's a tough crowd today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Anyone believe in that light? Anyone believe it can lead you to life? There's no question about it, folks. You do not have to be in darkness. He said, I am the light of the world. And guess what, folks? If he's the light of the world, that means I spend all my days in that light. You might say, well, Pastor Gregory, you don't understand what happened to me. I don't need to understand. I just know who will bring you light in that situation and show you how to come out of it. And when you come out of it, no one will ever know that you ever went through it. How I many you know when God brings you out, there's no, you know, your clothes aren't even burned. There's no sign that you even went through something. Matter of fact, he'll bring you out so good that you might feel like I need to go through something like this again. <laughs> Come on, anybody here know what I'm talking about? See, I'm on the other side of something like that now. How I many you know when you're going through it, it's like, ah. But when you're on the other side of it, let's go through it again. If I knew this was on the other side of it. No, we don't want to go through it again. She's sitting out there like, no, we don't want to go through it. But my point is, he'll bring you out so good that you'll never know that you even went through it. Anybody believe that today? I said, anybody believe that today? I don't care what you're going through right now. If you'll follow the light, the light will lead you right out of all darkness. Number three today. Jesus said, I am the door. Go with me to John chapter 10. Jesus said, I am the door. Well, what door is he talking about? He's the door into God's presence. Look at John chapter 10, verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and I love this, and will go in and out and find pasture. You know what pasture represents? Provision, folks. He said if you'll just come through the door, which means, how many know if he's saying come through his door, then there must be other doors out there. And I don't know about you, prior to salvation, I went through a whole lot of doors that led me right to destruction. Anybody else in here willing to admit that? You had a whole lot of voices and a whole lot of people out there telling me, This is the way. Come on this way, and everything's going to work out for you. How many of y'all found out that there's really only one door? And his name is Jesus. All other doors lead down the wrong path, and they all end in eternal destruction. Jesus is the only door that gives you entrance into eternal life. Number four, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. So, again, if there's a good shepherd, then there must be a what? bad shepherd. Okay, John chapter 10, look at verse 11. He said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. How do we know he's a good shepherd? Because he died so that we could have a better life. How do we recognize a bad sheep, a bad shepherd? A bad shepherd is going to use you to build his life. A good shepherd is going to give his life to build your life. A bad shepherd is going to use you to build his life. A good shepherd is going to give his life to build your life. I thank God that my shepherd was willing to die so that I could live. He was willing to experience poverty so that all my needs could be met, and he was willing to go to the grave, death, and hell so that I could live for eternity. How many of y'all know that is a good shepherd right there? And I am so glad to follow him. Look at verse 8. All whoever came, well, verse, I'm sorry, verse uh, 14. Drop down to verse 14. He said, I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. Every individual is like a wandering, stray, lost lamb caught in the muck and mire of this world. Anyone remember what your life was like prior to salvation? Man, I promise you, I don't want to go back to, to that season in my life. I can remember being in college. Man, just think about it. You've got to get drunk to have fun because that makes you act like something you know that you're not. Only to wake up from that and, or, or be in it and say, God, if you'll just get me out of this situation. I promise you, I, anybody ever did that and, until next weekend. Come on, am I the only one that ever did something like that? Just let me make it through the night, right? You make it through the night, and then you're ready for the weekend again, right? right? I mean, all of us was lost in that muck and that mire until the shepherd came and did what? Let us out. Anybody glad the shepherd came and led you out? Go with me to Psalms number 23. Let's look at another description of this great shepherd. Jesus is the only good shepherd. And I think about it. You know, when I really think about 26 years of being saved, it's like when I gave my life to God. How many of y'all have children? You ever notice for children to get around, they look, they, they reach up, give you their hand, because what they want you to do is lead them to where we're going, right, so that they don't get lost. And that's kind of the way I see when I gave my life to Christ at 22. It was like he just reached back, grabbed my hand. And he's just been guiding me through 26 years of life. And it's just a blessing. It's a comfort to know that when I, as long as I keep my hand in his, I'm heading in the right direction. Even when wrong things happen, I still believe good is going to come out of it because the shepherd knows how to navigate me through all of that. Look at Psalms 23. I love it. The Lord is my what? I shall not what? You believe that, folks? God Want, your shepherd wants to lead you to a place where all of your needs are met. I don't know about you, but it's a blessing not thinking about how the bills are going to be paid. It's a blessing to have a check and enjoy the check. And the check is not already spent on bills. It's a blessing to not have to pay hospital bills. Oh, Let me try this. Maybe that's not a blessing to this group right here. Man, it, it's a blessing to buy gifts for people. Man, it's a blessing to put more than $5 in my tank when I go to the gas station. Come on, don't act like you've never been there before. Let me get $3 on pump number seven. Come on, don't act like you've never been there before. Come on, anybody ever been there before? Come on. I'm talking about back when gas was like 89 cents. $3, to gets you a quarter tank of gas. am I right or wrong? I can remember putting a dollar in the tank. Oh, Lord. Come on, that's a blessing that your shepherd can bring you out of that stuff, right? It's a blessing to go to a restaurant and not look at what stuff costs. That's a blessing. I said, that's a blessing. And it's a blessing to take your family out and treat them afterwards instead of anteing up the bills. I remember those days. Then you always had that cousin. Cousin, his meal was $7.99. What did he put on there? $8. I said, he well, got his taxes on here, man. And you need to think about a tip. I said, it's a blessing to have all your needs met. I said, it's a blessing to have all your needs met. I said, it's a blessing to have all your needs met. Come on, I'm talking about it's a blessing to get to a place where you don't want for anything. And your shepherd knows how to get you there. Said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not what? Want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well, you know what that means, folks? He brings me rest. He's not talking about sleeping here. He's talking about rest. How many of us know it's a rest when all the bills are paid? Amen. Amen. How many of y'all know it's a rest when your kids are well? Amen. I'm not talking about sleeping here. It's just a rest knowing that my kids are well. It's a rest knowing that my marriage is good. Amen. There's a rest in that, that when she leaves the house, I'm not thinking about where she's going. And I pray to God, vice versa, she's not thinking about There's a rest to that. Hallelujah. There's a rest knowing that we're getting ready to buy a building, cash. Yeah. 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 I'm not up at night. I'm not up late. I'm not losing no sleep. I'm resting knowing that the building is already paid for. There's a rest in knowing that even if you don't have a job, you have a job. There's a rest in knowing that I don't know in the natural how all of these bills are get paid, but they're all paid. There's a rest in that, folks. Hallelujah. He said he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his what? Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Notice you don't. You don't park there and and pull out a picnic basket, hello, somebody, and and, and stay there. No, you go through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? And you should fear no evil when you go through because you know He's with you, His rod and staff will comfort you, and this is what I love. How many of y'all know that not everyone loves you? You don't know that by now? Let me tell you not everyone wants to see you win. You have haters. And sometimes many of them. But, boy, thanks be to God. If the Lord is on your side, come on, there's nothing that man can do to you. And look at what he promised you here. He said, I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Come on, they're going to have to watch God provide for you even when they don't want to see you win. That's what kind of shepherd we serve. I think we all need haters in our life. They motivate us to get to the next level. Come on, somebody, say a prayer for your hater today. Look, Cajo came on me a little bit there. (laughs) Say, you anoint my head with oil. My cup does what? How many know if my cup running is running over? That means I have too much. I don't know if I'm talking to the right crowd today. (laughs) I said, how many know if my cup is running over? That's because I have too much. The shepherd can lead you to a place of too much. The shepherd can lead you to a place of too much. This is the side right here. This is where all the anointing is at right here. The shepherd can lead you to a place of too much. I told you it was on that side. Let me give you a chance to redeem yourself. The shepherd can lead you and will lead you to a place of too much. Somebody ought to say, lead me now, Lord. Lead me right now to that place of too much. This is what I love. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me. How often? All the days of my life. See, that doesn't mean that bad things won't happen. He'll just bring goodness and mercy out of it. You might get hit in the front with something bad, but let me tell you what's getting ready to follow behind it is goodness and mercy because that's the type of shepherd that we serve. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord how long? Forever. Number five, I am the true vine. Go with me to St. John chapter 15. I am the true vine. St. John chapter 15 verse 1. I am the true vine. Again, if he's the true vine, then there must be false vines. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the wine dresser. Verse 7, I am the vine, you are the branches. How many of y'all know the branches gets all of its sustenance from the vine? As long as the branches stay connected to the vine, then it gets all the nourishment that it needs to live and produce and to bear fruit. He says here in verse 7, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, stays connected, lives in, settles, settles down in, takes a residence in, and I in him, notice, they produce and they bear much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask what you will or what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Notice what he didn't say. He didn't say you can ask for what you need. I'm trying to show you something about the character of God because how many you know a good parent already knows they're going to take care of everything that you need. The kids don't really ask for needs. The kids ask for desires. Call the <laughs> called an uh, Xbox. Uh, what's that other one called? PS. What's uh, that other one called? PS. Wake that boy up. Slap him upside his head. <laughs> what, what's that other one called? PlayStation. PlayStation. What, how, how many of kids don't ask for needs? They don't say, give me some socks. <laughs> I'm just trying to show you the character of God. Right. Really, right? We go upstairs and see all the holes in their socks, and we go and pick up socks for them. Amen. They don't ask for stuff that they need. They ask for what they desire. And all God's saying is, every desire that you have in your heart, I put it there. And don't be afraid to ask me for. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And all you gotta do is stay connected to the vine. Amen. How many of you know my wife was not a need? She was a desire. I said, God, I like them like this. <laughs> and then she showed up just like that. And boy, how many of y'all know I've been working it out ever since then? Oh, I doubled up on you, didn't you see? Did you see me doubling up on you? Come on, somebody. Come on. God can meet and give you all of your desires. Hallelujah. How many you know my children are not in need? They cost too much money. You know they're not in need. My children are a desire. That's the kind of God we serve, folks. He said, if you just stay connected to me, you can ask me for whatever you desire, and I'll do it for you. Whatever I desire? I mean, you know, I got some big desires. My daughter had a birthday party in a particular subdivision. You know, you can't get in this subdivision. You pull up to this subdivision, the police, would, you know, you can't get in. But the party was in there, so that's how we got in. We ended up staying in the subdivision almost as long as the party lasted. I know folks was like, that's like the 20th time that car has gone by. <laughs> but the place was so beautiful. Just beautiful. God is good. Hallelujah. You ever notice you just ride by and look at stuff and you go, oh, that's beautiful? How I many you know God put that in your heart? I want you to understand, He's big enough to bring it to pass in your life. Do you all believe that today? Let's come on down the home stretch. Number six. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Go with me to John chapter 14. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John chapter 14, verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled or agitated. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. One house but many mansions. How many of you know even if you don't get your dream house down here, how many of you know it's waiting on you in heaven? Say, so in my father's house are many mansions. If I if it were not so, then I would not have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. I know we're here celebrating his resurrection, folks, but guess what? He's coming back again to get us, right? And he says, and receive you to myself so that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said to him, now this is amazing. Lord, we do not know where you are going. Didn't he just tell him where he was going? Didn't he just tell them what would be there? Look what Thomas said. So this shows you Jesus had my same challenge. You can talk to people. That doesn't mean they're listening. Right? Look at what he said. Lord, we do not know where you are going. Where did he just say he was going? You are going, and how can we know the way? he had been telling the whole time he was the way, right? But, but because he's a good father, good teacher. Look at what he says here. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, I want to leave you with this thought. Jesse DePlantis, I've got one more, but, but on this particular one. Jesse planet said something about 15 years ago, and I never forgot it. And I prayed that the same thing happens to you. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. You notice if Jesus is the way, then you can't get lost. I mean, you know, if Jesus is the truth, then the devil can't lie to you. If he came to you and said you're going to die, you know immediately that's a lie because Jesus said, I'll live and not die. And with long life, he satisfied me. So, so if he's the way, you can't get lost. If he's the truth, then the devil can't lie to you. Then if he's the life, then guess what, folks? The devil can't kill you. You'll live out all your four days to the fullest. And you got one or two options. Should the Lord tarry and you put this body down, how many know your spirit will come back and revive that body, get all that sand, put you back together, and then you'll forever live at about the age of thirty three years old. If you're over thirty three, how many of that's a blessing to, to 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 go back to that age and just be fresh and vibrant? Where do you get that from? First John chapter two says that when we see him, we shall be like him. Right, and he transitioned at about 33. So most scholars believe that's the eternal state that we'll live in. And I know some of you all are looking up here like Pastor Gregory, you still look like you're 33. <laughs> hey, 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 just ha- let me have my moment. Let me have my moment. Right? Let-, let me for five minutes just have my moment. Moment, right? But isn't that a blessing to know that we'll forever live with fit and in shape bodies? Amen. Looking good. But but guess what, folks? If your loved ones already went before you, they're not dead. They're still living. Amen. Their spirits were transported right into heaven. Amen. And trust me, when he comes back, their spirit is going to go back and get that body, and we're going to meet him in the air and forever be with the Lord. You know who I miss? I can't wait to see my mother. That's the one. So I'm going to give her a high five right in heaven. Just boom. Amen. Then I got to ask her, Mom, now you know you weren't supposed to leave that early. I got some questions for her, but she's going to say, son, I got a glimpse of the other side and decided I didn't want to stay any longer, and I'm okay with that. I said, well, even though I didn't have you as long as I wanted there, now I have you for eternity. Yeah. This time, we'll never separate for the rest of my life. Now, how many of you know I live in the comfort of that all the days of my life, <laughs> knowing that I'm going to be with my mother forever? So that little 50, 60 years that I had down here is just a drop in the bucket Now that I get to know that I'm going to spend eternity with Let's close right here. Number seven. You all getting anything out of this today? Number seven. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Go with me to John chapter 11, which is what we're here celebrating today. His resurrection. The story of Lazarus really is a type and a shadow of what is to come. Look at verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb, Lazarus, for four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Mary or Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Remember that story. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, then my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that wherever or whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I mean, Jesus is confident. Because he knows who he is. Now, she thought he was talking about at the resurrection. She said, Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Now, right here is a type and shadow of how salvation is getting ready to come to us later on in the New Testament. He asked her the question. How many of we still do this to this day? Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Right? How I many of you know the Son of God piece is important because you have to believe that Jesus is God? Amen. I mean, you can't just confess Jesus. You've got to confess Jesus is the Son of God, Amen. which makes him God. Right? So he asked her the question. He says here, um, to her uh, whoever leaves in me shall never die do you believe this look what she said to him yes lord i believe that you are the christ the son of god who has come into the world how many of you know salvation came to her right there all right now in conclusion i close right here what will you do with the great i am will you worship him will you live for him Will you let him be your bread of life? Will you let him be the light of your world? What will you do with the great I am? If you'll drop down to verse 28 and 29, just like anything, how many you know when you give your life to Christ, so much life fills you that you want other people to experience what you've experienced. I know when I gave my life to Christ, first person I went to was my mother and shared Jesus with her. She gave her life to Christ. Next person I went to was my brother. Shared Jesus with him. He gave his life to Christ. Then I began working on my father... And he just, before I uh, could actually get him, but he had gone to church with me on that Saturday. He ended up dying on that Thursday. I went to my cousins, my favorite cousins. I went to everyone that was close to me, and I began to share Jesus with them because I wanted them to experience what I had. So Martha goes back to Mary. She's so excited. Look what she says here in verse 28 and 29. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary her sister. What was she saying? Mary, something just happened to me. She's experiencing him in this way for the very first time. And look at what she goes on to say. The teacher has come and is calling you. I believe she shared her story, what she confessed, and then look at what Mary did. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. What I believe with all of my heart was to confess the exact same thing. That he not only was the Christ, but he was the son of the living God. And I believe God brought people here today to bring you right in contact with this same decision. What are you going to do with it today? Will you come quickly like Mary did after she heard the story? Will you come quickly and run to Jesus to make a quality decision about not just today, but eternity? I want to give you that option today. And so now, while every head is bowed, every eye is closed in prayer, no one moving, no one talking unless you've been assigned to do so. I believe you've heard a story laid out for you today. And really the story was the fact and the proof that Jesus Christ was not just a human being, he was also deity, he was also God. And so you have a decision today to make a decision about whether or not he can be the Lord of your life. So if you're in this building today,